Hello, we are Becky and Gabby, your micropolitan matchmakers, coming at you every Thursday to help you find big love in your small town. Each week, we'll cover everything from dating advice, dating love stories, and horror stories, interviews with other dating experts, and much more, all from the lens of dating in a small to medium-sized micropolitan region. Hello, 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 everyone, and welcome to Micropolitan Matchmakers. Hi, friends. I'm super excited for today. We do have a heart take to share, but just to tease a little bit, we have been talking about this guest for weeks now, um, our wonderful astrologer, psychologist, specialist, amazingness of the world. Caitlin is here to join us, so we will introduce her shortly. But Gab, I think it's is it my turn for a heart take. It is week? your turn for a heart take. Um, I will say Becky has been talking about Caitlin for like months <laughs> now, and I've been so curious to learn more about what Caitlin does and how she does it. And so I had my just a little preview of what we're going to be talking about. I had my reading last Thursday. So it's still very fresh in my mind. And before this episode, I went in and I rewatched a couple parts of our reading. Um, so we're really excited to share what we have coming up. I did the same thing. And this all spouted because this was my heart take a few weeks ago was yeah. getting a reading. So we'll dive into that with Caitlin momentarily. But fresh off my mind, I did want to share um, the idea, you know, a lot of weddings are coming back online, happening again, maybe happening for the first time. We've spent two years in lockdown. Um, you know, some folks have gotten married, some folks have gotten engaged and put weddings off. Um, but there's a lot of celebrations of love coming up, I think, in whatever form um, that we haven't been able to celebrate over the last couple of years. And I had my first bachelorette party in years uh, over this weekend. And it got me thinking because I know, especially when, you know, our audience, we, we talk to a lot of singles all the time. And when we do our dating events, we talk to a lot of singles. And um, even with my clients, it's something I hear often that it's hard to like be excited for someone when you're single and going to, you know, all of these weddings or bachelorette parties. But I think if we can shift our mindset on these types of events and how we attend them to celebrating love, in all of its forms, like being able to witness love, being able to soak in that vibe around you and really embody that I think helps in your own search for love and gives you rather than looking at it as something to be envious of, which is a totally understandable reaction. I think it's really fun to just celebrate it. And especially, you know, this weekend being at a bachelorette party, it was an opportunity to really celebrate the female friendships in my life. And really catch up with people who I hadn't seen in person in so long and celebrate where everyone is. Some people have kids, some people were going through a divorce or a separation. Um, some, you know, obviously the bride is getting ready to get married um, and all of that. And um, I guess the other piece I would tack onto it is also to say attending weddings alone, because you never know who you're going to meet. And so I think, um, you know, getting frustrated. And I know I felt this way too, when, when I haven't had a plus one on an invitation, you can kind of feel crappy about it sometimes, but I think weddings are a great opportunity to meet people in the extended network. So I'm personally very excited for wedding season to kick back off. And I feel like wedding season will now be like the next year and a half as all of these like catch up weddings come to fruition. So that is my heart take and a big shout out to Courtney, who is the one getting married because I know she listens and thank you for getting married and bringing us all together, giving us an excuse to, to hang. Yay. Congrats, Courtney. I've never met <laughs> I feel like I know you. Um, yeah, no, totally. I relate to that. And I feel that, you know, I've been single for so long. I've been single for about seven years now and I'm 29. Many of my friends have gotten engaged or married. Some of them have babies and um, going to bachelorette parties I think the first one, I maybe was a little bit bitter at first. Not bitter, but kind of like, oh, well, like, this is never going to happen for me or whatever. But I kind of just threw myself into that celebration of love piece. And now bachelorette parties are like one of my favorite things to go I love to. them. Like you said, like, I, I definitely am happy for that person and, and for the other, you know, women that are there who are married or engaged or having babies. Um, but it also makes me appreciate where I am in my life right now. And it's like, yes, all of those things are so great, but being single is so great too. And so, you know, just try to keep that fresh perspective on things. I love that. And with that, as we talk about like future and love and all of these things swirling, we are bringing Caitlin into the chat. 
and are so excited. Hi, Caitlin. Hi, everybody. That's a beautiful opening and so timely because I'm going to be at a wedding in a few weeks. So I'm going to take all that advice right there with me. Oh, I love that so much. It's crazy how like they're flourishing. I have four over the next six months, but I'm really actually excited for every minute of every one of them. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, and Caitlin, we have teased your presence in our lives for a couple weeks now. <laughs> But I don't think anyone can explain who you are, what you do, or how you came to what you do better than you. So I would love to start there if you could give us the rundown. Okay, absolutely. So I practice a branch of astrology called astropsychology. And basically what we do is we take the astrological model and we fuse it to psychological needs emotional patterns, behavioral patterns. It's very different from the ancient methods of astrology, which were very fate-based and deterministic. This is um, more psychologically fluid. So if there's a hardship in the chart or your chart with someone else, we look at it as an opportunity for psycho-spiritual growth and insight rather than some fate-based karma. Um, so as we do examples and talk today, you'll see, you'll see what I mean by that. Uh, I came to this because many years ago I was in the most confusing relationship, could not understand my behavior within the relationship or the guy's behavior. And it was just maddening to me. And I remember seeing something like Virgos don't mix with whatever his sign was. I said, oh, maybe I'll look into the astrology of it. And I was living in Hawaii at the time and I was lying out on this golf course and I, and the thought came to mind, should I go to school to learn this? And a huge shooting star went over the, the, the sky parameters. And I was like, okay. So I started researching the best astrologers in the world and their, their academies. And I narrowed it down to a man named Glenn Perry He's a PhD psychologist, and so he has the academic platform and is very credible, but he had astrology that he had studied for like 60 years, and so he merged the two, and I spent three years in intensive study with him, and he's still my mentor today, and so I've taken a lot of what I've learned from him and then fused it with another astrologer learning from um, Jewel Mayberry, so here we are today. Wow. If that answers your question well yes. enough. That's yeah. magical. What a sign. That is so amazing. So Caitlin. Well, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Becky. Oh, I, and I was just, it kind of was even a sign how Caitlin originally came in to my life. Like I had started wanting to research that a little bit more. And I've always paid attention to the very basic pieces of astrology that I think a lot of us see, like your horoscope and all of that. And I just happened to sit next to someone at dinner. We were both kind of out at the same time who had worked with you previously. And I don't, I think she had just come from a reading and that's yeah. how we got on the topic. And I was like, Jenna, please tell me more. And I set up an appointment with you like straight away and just had the most magical first reading and felt so clear on so many aspects of why my brain functions the way that it does and why I respond to things the way that I do. Um, and you were one of the first people I saw it when, um, you know, and I've shared about the breakup I recently, you know, was going through on the podcast, but Caitlin was someone who I was like, you know, I think, I need to go back there and just like help get grounded and figure this out. So you are just fantastic at what you do. You said that so well too, how you phrased that. That means uh, you have a natural understanding for how to use astrology to serve you in that way, to to get the deeper insights into yourself and behaviors. I was so happy when you called me to tell me what was going on with it. I was like, oh, good. (laughs) You're open and vulnerable and you made the chart, both of you ladies did, made the chart come alive so easily for me. And I was like, okay, good. Excellent. These are my people. Well, and, and maybe Gabby, this is probably what you were going to ask too. And I'm so excited. I'm talking so much, but in terms of your clients and readings, I think it would be great to share like what services you provide, what that looks like, um, and what a typical kind of client relationship looks like with you. Sure. Absolutely. So, uh, to speak to the first part of that question, uh, in terms of the services provided, uh, there's individual readings, which I'd done, uh, Gabby, that's what you experienced. And, and Becky, that was your first reading was just looking at the, your individual natal chart. 
And you can actually within that, so you can see all t- every area of life is exposed through the natal chart. Um, since we're talking about relationships today, uh, where you can see your individual relationship needs as well. So how someone's Venus is functioning, how their moon is functioning, what sign, house, placement, what aspects from other planets are putting um, positive influence or a challenge onto your Venus. So you can you can see what your patterns and emotional needs are within the context of the own individual chart. Um, taking that into another level would be a different service of synastry and composite readings. And that's where you take two charts. So your individual chart and then your partners or whoever the interest is, their individual chart. And then we're combining them in two different ways. One is we're doing an overlay and we can see which of one person's planets are lining up and how with another person's planets are those planets getting along or are they creating friction? Are they creating sexual energies or are they creating more work dynamics? Um, what of what traumas is this person carrying that might uh, hook into a trauma pattern of this other person? And is the relationship based on trauma patterning or is it based more off of sovereign type loves where people are more integrated and the, uh, the healthier aspects are coming out? Uh, so that's how we use synastry. And then the composite chart is the midpoint of the two people's charts combined. And that becomes the the chart that uh, shows the destiny of the relationship or how the ingredients of one person and the ingredients of another person come together to bake a cake. And does that cake rise or does it sink? And, you know, does it taste good or does it taste like soap? You know, we have to... <laughs> see how so it really um provides a tremendous amount of insight um and i would say that is probably the funnest service i offer is the synastry because you can just go for days with the composite chart and the synastry chart into what how two people are blending and what they need to learn from each other and how that might look interesting i love that um weird question has anyone ever come to you with someone's birth information asking you to do one of these overlays but didn't tell the other person um so now we're getting into the realm of psychic ethics and boundaries um luckily no and that would that would be challenging for me but it's happened to colleagues of mine and Usually, to be in the the highest ethical realm, you would want the permission of that person because we're you know we're kind of doing a deep dive into their psyche, and and that so the ethics fall too on the astrologer because my teacher, my teacher really pounded it into us that the chart doesn't make the person, the person makes the chart. So you can have two people born at the same time, but their souls are at different levels of evolution and they're going to be expressing the archetypes in different ways. And so if someone comes to me and I don't have their permission and I go making a bunch of assumptions about what level they're at, they might have a horrible aspect in their chart, but have done the hard work to integrate that and heal that. And then it would be unethical of me to tell the person who brought the chart, oh, that's not going to work. That person is da, 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 da. And then I plant ideas in their head and it just messes. Yeah. I wanted to bring that up because I do have a friend who is very spiritual and she reads a lot about astrology and, and psychology and things of that nature. And whenever she starts dating somebody new, she asks for their <laughs> all the information that you need. And so she, she makes assumptions about that person. Based, I mean, she doesn't do as deep of a dive as you do, Caitlin, but she makes assumptions about how that person's going to react or the, the longevity of the relationship. And I'm like, I just feel like that's so unfair. It's taken out of context. And yeah. I keep laughing because there's a meme that I've seen going around on Instagram a couple times. And it's like, mom, what was the exact time and place I was born? And the mom responds and it's like, run away from that girl right now. And I'm like, I am that girl. <laughs> How can you not be curious? Away, though. I know, guilty. I'm so glad that you brought this topic up. I really, really am. Um, so there are a lot of astrologers who will look at 
the charts and and doom or uh, doom and gloom or exalt a relationship based on placements. And that goes back into like the Vedic Sumerian crystal ball where the astrologer had all the power and the people kind of bowed down before the stars and accepted their fate. Then we have the advent of psychology and this idea that we have souls and free will and can alter our fate and grow beyond it. And so you can, when you're looking at a chart, the ancient is say someone comes to me with a really bad chart or what your friend did where she she looks up this guy's information and she sees all this stuff and then she googles and google says this is a bad match well okay so that's like one level of consciousness around it i guess you could use the chart to determine whether or not you're going to enter a relationship but really the heart should be the guide and if there is a challenging aspect between you i think it's wiser to see, are we both able to work through this hard challenge, which, you know, this part of me just doesn't work with this part of you. And we're, we're in, we're in stress and conflict over it, but can we mold and, and learn and grow enough to overcome that? And then that's where astrology becomes really cool. That's called self-realization and integration, where you take that, the harder burdens of the chart and you, you, you learn how to make it masterful. And those are the people walking around on the planet who have, who have done those things that are the most successful, the most intriguing, the most vibrant, the individuals. And so I wouldn't, your maybe let your friend listen to this Gabby and, you know, don't doom or gloom someone based off their poor chart. I have a really hard chart, but I've worked so hard to overcome it. So if a guy was looking at my chart and was like, I'm not going to date her. I'm like, wait, but I've tried really hard. You <laughs> like, let right, me right. Well, and that's what's so insightful about getting a reading for yourself, because I know like, and, you know, to be very open about my read, both my readings with you and and talking about one of the terms I think that's, that's really great that I love that you use is like the assignments that you get in your life and how that can, your chart can speak to that. And I have a tendency to be in relationships with people who I feel like need me to help them with things and kind of that like fixer philosophy. And that's an assignment that has continued to show up. And you don't always see it until you take that step back and have this great objective, like in-depth conversation with someone. And so I guess my question related to that is when you have clients or give readings with people who are working through these things and trying to kind of become more integrated, get to that next level, do you find it helpful? Like, do you have clients that come often? Do you have people that you see monthly or bi-monthly? Like, what does that relationship tend to look like? all over the place that you worded that so well you ladies are just brilliant 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 minded um so what what reading for you was really lovely you you understood and we saw that your your patterns matched the chart with how you were experiencing relationships and that neptunian savior dynamic where romance is idealized and being able to find redemption and saving someone else and it's it's really one of the most romantic placements but that is that is one of the hardest ones and um i think that just the mere um shedding light of awareness on it and being able to have words or context and framework for understanding, oh, there's a language behind why I do this and a whole archetypal psychological dynamic. And once I understand that archetype, I can learn how to move into the higher expression of those needs rather than the lower vibrational ones. And then life, my teacher says, life kind of then becomes the therapy and that awareness grows in consciousness. And before you know it, you can catch yourself before you're falling in the pitfall which is what you did this last time with this man. You caught yourself, you saw it, and you're like, I'm going to choose not to because I have that awareness. Mm-hmm. So in your case, you know, that was, uh, you're so on point with all this stuff. That was, we resolved that in one session. Um, there's other people that come to me regularly. Like I'll meet with them once a month. Um, I have one pe- uh, some people who come for one session. They do, they just want an outline of their chart. And then I might not hear from them again. That's pretty common in the field. And then I have other people who come, and this is the most regular, the most common, is that people will come for one session, they'll kind of go away for a while and live life, and then I'll hear from them again spontaneously, and there's always something going on, like something (laughs) with career or relationships, and so I pull the chart, and sure enough, they have this huge transit happening that's like rattling their core, and then we can go in and shed light of awareness on it and kind of work it out. And they're like, okay, I just feel comfort in that. I'm good. I'll talk to you. I might be a month or two years. Bye. Thanks. <laughs> 
guilty. That was me. Yeah. <laughs> but it's all in the right flow. It really yeah. all is because we're synchronized with the way that, you know, the moon rules the tide here and our menstrual cycles and all the planetary bodies have frequencies that have been scientifically proven that emit down and have correspondences with our emotional patterns and behaviors. And so like, when those planets move over us, we can feel them, we are altered, and it stirs things up, and then we can work it out as, you know, as events come up and the planets move. Hmm. So, Caitlin, if someone's listening to this right now, and they're a little bit skeptical as to how astrology ties into all of this, what would you say to them? And what are some of the common misconceptions you hear regularly? Uh, okay. So the first misconception, astrology has historically been an incredibly powerful tool. I think it was either Rockefeller or JP Morgan that said, um, millionaires don't use astrology, but billionaires do. So the people that have a lot of power and money in this world, the occultists, they know astrology and they have intentionally watered it down, bastardized it and adulterated it to make it into this mockery, like redheaded stepchild. And they do that by these ridiculous, like cookbook interpretations online and in the newspapers. And so they, we've been severed from its power and, uh, and our knowledge of these planetary systems you know, I think it's so they can keep their power concentrated. But when you really start to move out of the cookbook astrology world and away from the horoscopes and you get into the depth psychology and, and true astrological study, you see that it is one of the most powerful, quote unquote, pseudosciences of all time. And if nothing else, okay, so I think to answer the first part of your question, I think that why people get skeptic of it is usually for two reasons. One, there's a religious block, which is understandable and to each their own, even though the Bible is riddled with astrological symbolism. Um, Then the second is that I think that there's a fear and a misunderstanding in that if someone is to believe in astrology, that somehow means that they have lost their free will and the power of choice and that the astrology has become like powerful over them or a God surrogate of some sort. And so when you explain to someone, this isn't a substitute for God and it's, um, it's not going to annihilate your free will and your ability to create the life you want and you're not doomed to anything and the stars are not, causing anything to happen we're just simply looking at correspondences to gain insight and meaning into our process of life we are just putting context and framework around things there is no fate there's no doom and gloom and so usually when you can communicate at that level with people there's a little bit of a crack that opens in the door and they're like okay okay well give me an example and then from there you can did that did that make sense how I how I answered that totally you even I'm not skeptical but you even made more sense to me than than prior so I'm really glad that you gave that outline of you know how it's been used in the past and how it's used currently and how you know I love that quote like millionaires don't use astrology but billionaires do it's so interesting well and what you just said too as a part of that explanation we were talking right before we started recording about mercury being in retrograde and that's another one of those things that we see pop up all the time on social media or you know silly videos like oh like everything goes wrong it's because mercury is in retrograde so people have it that like maybe that is partially that loss of free will or like, this is all happening to me. Mm-hmm. Um, what is, what does that mean? Caitlin, mm-hmm. can you explain to your, the, the, you know, without any, you know, people who kind of just like hear that sort of your average Joe, like what does Mercury and retrograde actually mean and what is its influence on us? Okay. So a retrograde is when a planet ostensibly moves backwards. It's not actually moving backwards, but it, it goes into a shadow period and based on its the, the angular relationship between earth and that planet, it appears that it's moving backwards. And in that, in that shadowy period of backward movement, apparently the negative uh, traits of that archetype that that planet rules are supposed to be for, be more um, noticeable. Now is really, so save for every planet has a retrograde except the moon and the sun. Um, 
So every planet, when it goes into retrograde, the negative themes of that planet may come out. Now, this depends on first is the degree that the planet is going into retrograde actually aspecting any of your personal planets in the chart, in which case you may feel that more and you may have to do some work around getting your psychology at a target state about what that archetype means emotionally, physically, symbolically, and whatnot. But most of the time, um, retrogrades are going to pass a lot of people by and we're not going to notice them. Mercury has gotten a really bad rap. I don't think people realize that Venus goes into retrograde, Pluto goes into retrograde, and I would rather take a Mercury retrograde over a Venus or a Pluto retrograde any day. Because Venus retrograde is going to bring up all the relationship traumas or past exes are going to come back. And then Pluto is the ruler of the underworld where your traumas are going to come spewing forth and get projected onto other people. And anything dark or repressed within your psyche is going to come out and be demanded to be healed and integrated and eliminated. So um, let's see, To did I, did I answer that fully or? Absolutely. Oh, I'll share one more thing on that. So my teacher is not a fan of the retrograde doom and gloom, and he intentionally during a Mercury retrograde, which is all about written communication and verbal agreements and stuff, he went and signed, like, I think it was a $90,000 contract or something in the middle of the shadow period. And he was going to wait and, you know, because according to all the doomsday astrologers, that would be he'd lose his money, everything would go poorly, but he was just fine and the contract flourished. So, you know, that's, it's, again, the stars aren't causing anything to happen, as you said, Becky, that we're not doomed. We're just using them for um, tools for evaluation. And I was going to make a funny joke about my nine to five and how things just felt absolutely wild today. And I kept saying, I said it twice. I was like, oh, Mercury in retrograde. But now I just have to, you know, put that, I have to find something else to blame that. (laughs) Okay. Let's use your chart really quickly to be able to see this. But on my side, I'm just going to look really quickly to see if, uh, Mercury retrograde is aspecting any of your planets. This is like such a great real time example. That's really uh-huh. fun. <laughs> and it's not. So you're in the you're in the clear. <laughs> so hopefully not. tomorrow will be just less crazy. <laughs> less crazy. <laughs> but actually, that kind of makes me think too, because um, another thing that I learned from you that I think I've are terms that I've heard tossed around but didn't know until we had a deeper conversation. So the, the sign that we, most people typically know as their sign is the sun sign, but there's also moon sign and rising sign. Can you walk our listeners through what those mean? Absolutely. So we have the, the, they call the big three, the, the sun, the moon and the rising. Yet we also all have a Pluto, a Saturn, a Uranus, a Venus. And Within each of these planetary or luminaries lie a certain archetype with a specific pattern of thoughts, emotions, behaviors, um, external objects, types of circumstances. Um, So, for example, the sun. Let's do the moon. That's a really good one. So the moon rules the feminine archetype mother how our mother, how we experienced our mother, how our mother treated us or what our mother was like, but then yet our own internal mother, how we're going to mother and how we deal with um, our emotions, how we hold space and nurture like the mother archetype would. Do we love unconditionally the tribe and people around us? Do we know how to emotionally hold space for and make people feel like they belong regardless of what the emotional expressions are? So it's really rules breast milk and like this gentle nurturing capacity within us. So what sign and house your moon is in is going to show the emotional nature. For example, I'm an Aries. So my tendency is uh, that's the war sign. So the nurturing planet with emotions in the war sign has a propensity. I feel anger over any other emotion. Um, I'm a little less maternal than most women my age. Don't have kids. I, you know, I'm out there battling for social causes and, and my freedom and want to tromp around the world on adventure. And 
so it, it taints the way that I experience my emotions and my um, my tendencies towards motherhood. The Mercury rules communication and written. Um, it's a perpetual student and messenger. So it's the left brain function. That planet rules that archetype. And so the house, same as that, the house sign placement of Mercury is going to give insight into how someone thinks and processes information, how well they how well they share and articulate messages, how well they write. So if that if that helps clarify, most people will um, just look at sun signs and they'll think that they should fit all the traits of um, Becky. Are you Pisces? I can't remember. Yep. Pisces. Yep. Okay. So um, like a lot of people will look at Pisces and they'll say that kind of fits, but a lot of this doesn't. Well, maybe that's because even though their sun is in Pisces, they have five planets in Leo which is making them identify with a whole other sign a lot more, but they wouldn't know it unless they had the whole chart synthesized. And that was, I never knew my, I'm a rising Leo. And when you explain that to me and then how that fit in conjunction with my Pisces, like it, my mind was blown after our first meeting. Cause I was like, yeah, that makes a whole, it just made so much sense. And I get like, like we were talking about before, just helps you sort of, <laughs> work through things or figure out those lessons and, and where the work needs to be done. Yes, exactly. Cause the needs of Leo and the behavioral traits of Leo are really different than Pisces. And it's like, how can I have this going on? But then also this, and how do I reconcile that at the same time? Yeah. Yeah. Fun fact. When uh, Caitlin and I were talking about relationships, not just romantic relationships, but, you know, working relationships and friendships and things of that nature, she did mention that me as a cancer and based on my chart, that Pisces was one of the strongest, like, working relationships. So, Becky, look at us. Look at that. That works out so perfectly. <laughs> you two have a lot of wonderful synastry between you two. That's, and you can use it for friendship as well. And you can yeah. see her. Oh, thinking, yep. mm -hmm. That would be a really fun next step, Gabby. We should Bye. schedule that reading soon. I'm down for that. And we'll do a follow-up with you, Caitlin. Maybe we can even like really like kind of do that reading or like a follow-up to it with you on another episode so people can hear how it all kind of flows in action. That would be awesome. I um, think that would be really fun. What a better way for you guys to get um, to really teach the audience how that works with letting them in like firsthand on into the vulnerable space of of a reading like that if there's I mean it's gonna be it, it's a great it's a great uh type of reading to share because Gabby's placements around career and her strengths are so so strong and they're so compatible Becky with your strengths we're gonna be it would be mostly focusing on what already exists that is ease ease uh, ease and grace in aspect rather than like you know, if we were to let people in on a recording of a couple who is whose charts are going to war together and they're like all this trauma and conflict coming up, might not want to air that one. But you wonderful <laughs> example. We totally have to do that. That's great. I love so, this plan. Speaking of which, Becky, um, this is kind of a question for Becky and Caitlin. Um, Becky, what was one of the most meaningful parts of your last reading and you know like what what was like that main thing that you took away from you that you feel yourself kind of like thinking about on a daily basis and reacting to you know I think um so much of both readings it was uh, almost a comfort level of okay like this is this is a bit of like why this is happening and here's what I can work on to work through it. And I think, um, you know, a big thing that Caitlin and I talked about in, in both readings and, and in this most recent one is um, that I, you know, especially going through a breakup at some point, I do want to have a family and would like to, you know, have that settled relationship with someone and become a mother in any form, whether that's like adoption or biologically. And um, Caitlin, one of the things that I have in my mind so much since we spoke is, um, and I, I forget exactly what it was called, but the career node and the career transition that I'm working toward that you talked about. So within the next year that I'm really working toward sort of, I think the word you used was explosion, or that's the word that I've heard, you know, had in my head that um, that is a, a, not a lesson, but a something I need to work toward and to sort of cross and that the opposite end of that, that, you know, the gate will open for all of those other things that I want in my life when I not, you know, accomplish the peak of my career. I don't think a year from now will be the end of that, but that there's some goals and things I really need to meet and hit. And that I think everything else, I really felt like everything else will fall into place 
when I kind of master that universe assignment of my career. Good. You regurgitated that. <laughs> what a like, would have. <laughs> that Way less eloquent. <laughs> Gabby, I'd love to hear. Uh, I want to ask your question back to you. Same. Yeah, as uh, as. I, as you were speaking, Becky, I realized what you were talking about are, are the nodes. And this yes. is after I, after we hear Gabby, I'll, um, I'll reiterate what it is because both of you have the same lessons around career versus motherhood. Yet you guys are coming at it from opposite angles and kind of meeting in the middle. And I'm going to, I'm going to explain a little bit about how that works after Gabby answers That's that for herself. This is really interesting. This is, this is going to be good. Interesting. Um, well, first, I've been thinking a lot about, and I quote, Caitlin saying, you have a magical ability to navigate life on Earth, which felt really good to me because, again, it kind of brought comfort. Like, you know, sometimes I don't feel like I know what I'm doing and I'm like going crazy, but it really kind of this whole reading kind of just made me relax and be like, oh, OK, I, I feel like I am on the right path. And a lot of the things that Caitlin was saying resonated with what's going on in my life right now. So that was really great. Um, I think that, again, like career was a, a huge piece of our reading. And, um, you know, I feel like I've I have a lot of natural gifts when it comes to career um, and I sometimes get frustrated that I don't see the results of my hard work right away. And Caitlin talked about how my chart was kind of giving the feel of your career being a slow burn. It's not going to be like all at once, like this explosion, you're going to have a billion dollars and you're going to reach all your goals in one time. It's kind of like, this is a journey and you're going to be successful along the way, but it is, you know, something that is slow burning and, um, you know, you're working up to those things that you want in terms of career goals. So that definitely brought me some peace because it's like, I expect results overnight. And, and you, I mean, in real life, that doesn't always usually happen for most people, but it kind of felt good. Like, okay, like keep on this path. You're seeing results, maybe not as quickly as you'd like to hypothetically, but they're going to, you know, you're going to reach those goals. You have a really strong earth element throughout your chart, which is the mastery of the physical 3D earth plane. And it is, if you think about, I mean, just the, imagine the art of the element earth is a slow, dense, steady, consistent pace. And Saturn, the planet that rules career, masters itself roughly in the ages of between i have to look exactly but i think it's like 55 to 60 or somewhere in there and it's because someone has done that slow turtle laid the groundwork but even despite the saturn requiring the long game of the duty and responsibility you what you had shared with me about what you've already accomplished and you just barely finished your saturn return i was like whoa she's actually way ahead of the game like and you're carrying that. so this will bring me into what we are, what we were, what both of you were describing, which is the nodal placements. And um, to give a brief summary around what the nodes are, they're, um, they're, I think one of the most, they're, they've become for me the most beautiful part of the chart to look at because I've had very personal experiences with transits to my nodes now. And so we have a North node and a South node and they're not planets, but they're calculations that's based on the um, moon's movement around the earth. And if you were to like take a picture of this process over 28 days, it would end up looking like NASA's done this actually like a, like a snake that's coiled um, around the earth. And the, the head of the snake is the North node and the tail of the snake is the South node. And what the consensus is with that, and this is going into the ancient mystic astrology is that the North node is uh, the destiny of the soul where they've incarnated to learn new lessons that are uncomfortable and unfamiliar, but that are supposed to be pushed into for the sake of growth and development versus the South node, which is what's already been mastered in past lives. If you believe in that um, past life incarnations, it's like, okay, I'm, I've got that done. That's a wrap. But you get to carry those lessons in to this life. You do. They don't leave. They're imprinted. And so, Becky, what you had said is like that the, the, the gate opens up is like we get to use our south node 
strengths to the degree that we push into the uncomfortable north node territory. And so both of you have your nodes along the axis of seemingly opposite uh, career versus home life and motherhood. What you do to, and, and it's, it's very, it's hard for women to have this, but the ones that I do know, I was telling Gabby this, I'm not sure if I shared this with you, Becky, the women that I know who have nodal accesses around home versus career are the most powerful, strong, brilliant women because they are doing both. They are, and, and how, how they end up doing both. Some will push into career first and then the motherhood portal will open based on where the North node is. You guys are coming again from the opposite angles, but you're working out the same thing. Um, so, but they're, you're taking on both the archetype of what has been traditionally the, the stand, the, the, the classic masculine role where you're going out and mastering the external environment, um, being the breadwinner, but you're also raising the kids and doing the maternal, uh, the maternal nurturer thing as well, which is, I don't know any time in history of this planet where women have done both, but <laughs> it's happening now. And you two are examples of, it's just like huge ordeal that's so cool it really is and like kind of as gabby said just the ability to sort of like relax into that knowledge um and it almost feels like and, and obviously it's not as easy as like okay like i checked this thing off the list and then that'll just happen you know the next day but to really picture the arc of my life and where to put my energy right now knowing that other things will follow and open up. Um, and it, you know, it makes a lot of sense. And I keep thinking too, like in terms of the career piece that, you know, if motherhood is really the, um, important part to me, not that I don't also want a relationship and a partner, but you know, if I reach a career Zenith, the motherhood piece could be done more easily, you know, on my own if needed. And I had a lot of conversations about that. Um, when I was with my friends at this, the bachelorette party over the weekend and, you know, it's hard no matter what, but I just keep thinking that like, you know, that idea of something opening up when you hit this other goal or sort of gate, it's all going to work out the way that it's meant to. Absolutely. And there's no way you have such glorious and romantic placements around love. There's no way that that's going to pass your chart by. I'm not supposed to do predictive astrology so much, but just as of from my heart to yours, like, come on, beautiful, <laughs> smart, loving, caring placements like that. Yeah. It's, it's just a matter of time. I'm going to start, I'm going to capture that and just play that on dates. Like, listen, <laughs> <laughs> it's real. Caitlin, I think that's a clarifying question. When you're talking about Becky and I coming, like our polls being centered around um, motherhood and career and home and all of that. What do you mean when you say that we're coming from opposite ends? Okay. I had a feeling that I, that, that might've needed a little more clarity actually. So um, give me just a moment. I'm going to look. Okay. So Gabby, I have your chart up. So for example, your south node, which is what's already been mastered, is on the career line. So you're carrying in with you all these pre-established gifts, which is why you've accomplished what you have so easily at, you know, only your first Saturn return. And the north node, which are newer lessons that push into, which the north node's activated with different transits at different times, that's in motherhood. Versus Becky the reverse is true. So in her case, past lives, many past lives of being the nurturer, the mother, the homemaker, the emotional support, the container space holder. And then this life is pushing into career. And it doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that um, Gabby, just because you have the the past life skills built up, um, Becky, it doesn't limit your your success. In fact, once someone pushes into the North node, you realize that they're actually just quite good at that naturally, even though it first felt awkward or uncomfortable or that things had to be forsaken. So both of you very, very talented, very talented and lots of gifts and focus, lots of life focus, special forces training. You'll both be very successful as is obvious with what you're all doing together, right? <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> I'm so excited to do the sinistry and like dive into that even more. I think that'll be such an awesome example. Oh, I'm, I'm really pumped. <laughs> yeah. 
you're doing all the groundwork for it because you're you're figuring out your own your own um your own patterns and needs and then you're putting so much intention into the universe by creating things like what you're doing as this as a service and bringing people together um putting out those positive vibes of affirmation and attraction where you're being great uh, happy for the people who are in love you're going to get all that's going to come back all of it's going to come back to you well, and actually, and I know we're a little bit over, but maybe as sort of a, a wrap up um, to part one, because we will see you again, as long as you're willing to join us again. Of course. But, you know, that kind of speaks to that idea of law of attraction. And I know I shared when we had our reading, like some of the books I read in the meditation piece, like there's many different pseudosciences. Are there other, and I, I know that that's like kind of a very enveloping term, but mm -hmm. other practices or things that are very good almost like companion to what you do. Like, you know, mm -hmm. I, I think about like Ayurveda or yoga, like, are there other things that you suggest people kind of diving into if they're also interested in like tapping into what you help them figure out? Oh, okay. Br brilliant question. Uh, is this in general or in terms of romance? Let's say romance in that, and given our topic area. <laughs> okay. For romance, um, tarot is always a complimentary tool. Okay. Uh, at which I, so I am, I am professionally trained in astrology. I'm self-taught in tarot, so I can't speak as much to that, but I know that it is insightful, not nearly in my opinion, as insightful as astrology, but tarot might be a good one. Um, Human design, though I know very little about human design, I had a, um, I know my own personal chart. Uh, human design is, I think, one of the most complex systems of divination slash personality models slash spiritual genetic DNA print. Um, I had a friend recently uh, who's quite good at human design give another friend a reading and shed a ton of light on her relationship, which is 17 years and there's a lot of, she had a lot of things with like longing for other people. And he was really able to use her human design chart and explain what was going on with that dynamic. And it totally wow. freed her and shook her up. Wow. Um, so unless I'm, let me see if anything is. Um, I have a couple, a couple people in my network who do um, really, really in-depth spiritual counseling, um, around, uh, relationships that are coming from places of trauma. So it's like, not mm -hmm. like Western therapy, but really profound energetic type healing where you're doing talk counseling, but the energy where it's, um, yeah, more, more spiritual based. So I've seen that be incredibly helpful for me. I use that. I use that to come overcome my own block. Mm -hmm. Ayurveda, not so much. Yoga, of course, any body movement is going to move things through. That's another thing. When you use astrology to like, like Becky, some of the stuff we talked about was really uncomfortable for you, you know, to hear, to hear pattern, any, anyone's patterns, there's everyone's Venus yeah. has got something, you know, and you have to sit with that. And it's, you know, moving the body and moving that energy through as you become aware of some of these unconscious patterns, that's always helpful. Dance. Oh, that's another one. Okay. This is great for your guys' show. I, um, I dance West coast swing and salsa and my teacher has taught me so much. And he even said that he has saved seen dance when couples come in and take private lessons, save their marriages because they have to learn how to communicate oh, in wow. a different way. When I first started dancing, he would not hardly dance with me because I wouldn't follow his lead. I didn't know how to trust men. I didn't know how to surrender into the feminine receptive. And he's like, he's like, you have blocks that are really a spiritual and emotional. And I mean, and I worked him out and now he says, I'm one of the lightest dancers to lead because I can totally flow into him. And so that's been all kinds of spiritual, um, um, spiritually enlightening for me in terms of how I relate to men and how I can trust. So that is what wow. I would say dancing for your peeps. I love that. That's such a great, and it's um, just so fantastic that you said it. And I have a, a friend who has been trying to get me, um, and it's just a matter of scheduling 
to go to this bachata room event every Friday. And we want to open this up to our community eventually and figure out how that could look. So shout out to Megan, because she's been saying this to me for ages. But I even saw we had an event not too long ago um, where they had a salsa band and some of our singles. Um, it was, I think at that point, there's one man and a couple of women, but to watch them start to loosen up. And for some of them, it, you could tell it was very um, uncomfortable at first to feel the music. I mean, we've been locked down. We haven't been going out to do any of these things and we're not used to moving our bodies. And it was really brilliant to see just even in the span of a little while, um, because especially in the dating world, you like that's a, a way to develop some of that sexuality. And like you said, that like receptive feminine, I just think that's so awesome. Yeah. I love it. You got to Yeah. You got to go Becky and do that. Both. Oh, yo, you're in Ohio. Dang it. Well, when you go back to New York, if there, that's how I started. I started going to the group bachata and salsa and then it, it, it opened me up so fast and shifted me so fast. I was, I was paying for private lessons within like two months. So go, it'll change. Oh, I love it. I love it. Let's follow up with a heart take on that next week, Becky. We certainly, certainly will. Caitlin, this was fantastic. I think maybe the one other place to end on, um, where can people, A, find you, and um, as a tangential question too is, you know, someone's really interested and wants to learn more. Do you have any, like one or two books or resources, blogs that you would recommend as well? Oh, that's so – I get that question all the time. And I, I still – for – I, cause see, I, I went from basically hardly any training, just self-study into like a PhD level program. Cause I just, because that star went over my darn face, you know, <laughs> I was like, I guess it's gone for going professional or I'm going. <laughs> so I didn't do the baby steps up and have the incremental, like it was zero to 60 for me. And so I have a hard time answering that question cause I don't have experience with it. But what I can do is I can ask some of my, for someone who's wanting um, like an intermediate level or just for more for fun, I will ask some of my colleagues who, um, who have experience with that. And then what I can do is just send that over and maybe you can post it. And that would be great. Okay. That would be awesome. Um, but if someone wants to send up, set up time with you, uh, where can they, where can they find you? My Instagram is great. Uh, I have, well, my website too. Uh, I can, I can receive uh, requests through my website and that's Veritas Astrology. So V-E-R-I-T-A-S astrology.com. And then my, um, G, uh, my Instagram is Veritas underscore botanicals. And maybe you can, um, I'll link, link them both. Okay. Okay. Wonderful. Wonderful. Awesome. Oh, this was one of my favorite episodes to date. This is so great. I'm so honored. Thank you, ladies. Thank you so much for being with us. And thank you to everyone listening. Uh, be sure to like, to share, to follow, to review on all of your favorite podcast listening services. And follow us on all the things, on the Instagram, on the Facebook, um, everywhere you can find us. You'll find all of that in the show notes. And we will see you all next Thursday from Micropolitan Matchmakers. See ya. Thanks, Bye. everyone.